Open your Bibles, please, to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8. We have been studying the book of Joshua and the life of Joshua the last couple of Lord's Days. But because of the emphasis in the first chapter of Joshua on the Word of God, and because I see the ebb and flow in your lives, because after 50 years, I know the ebb and flow that has occurred in my own life, depending on the emphasis of the Word of God in my life, I want to remind you of the importance of having a daily habit of reading the Bible and feeding your soul on the Word of God. Not by bread alone. We sure do make sure that we get our daily bread. We eat several times a day and we make sure we eat several times a day. And we probably eat more than we need to during those times every day. But do we put as much emphasis on the Word of God? Let's see what God said to Moses in the last book of the books of Moses before Joshua took over leading this nation. Deuteronomy chapter 8. I'll start at verse 1. All the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do, that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord sware unto your fathers. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger, and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Amen and amen. These are the words of the living and true God. He took his church in the wilderness and he humbled them. And he proved them. And he tested them to see whether they would keep his commandments or not. And he caused them to be hungry. They were hungry at times and it was the cause of God for them to be hungry. Because he wanted them to learn to trust him and his words over their daily bread. The Lord can easily provide bread that you have never known about nor have your fathers figured out. And he provided manna for Israel that way. So that they would learn what God has said, that is what we ought to do, and he'll take care of the bread. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord shall man live. There's two lessons here in this verse, Deuteronomy 8.3. God fed Israel with manna to teach them that their physical health depended more upon them obeying the words of God than on having a ready supply of food. He can supply the food. Do you know what he tells us in Matthew chapter 6? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things 
will be added unto you. And what are the things in Matthew chapter 6? What shall we eat? What shall we drink? And what shall we wear? All those things God will take care of. And he gives several illustrations about ravens and birds and lilies of the field. How well they eat every day. And how beautifully they are arrayed in the clothing that God gave them. Because he wants us seeking his kingdom and righteousness first. And he will take care of those things. But brethren, ask yourselves with me today. Do we seek those things more than we seek the word of God? Or do we seek the word of God truly first in our lives and we trust him to provide those things? This is the question we must ask ourselves and answer today. And I trust that God will bless his word to convict you that we will go out of here committed to reading more than we have before. If you have good Bible reading habits, if you feed your soul every day, I can tell you this about the word of God. If you will increase it, your spiritual vitality will increase. There is no such thing as too much of the Word of God. When you quit your job because you're reading all day long, then we'll talk. But until then, the Bible, more is better. You know, there's a lot of things in life, more is not better. But when it comes to the Word of God, more is better. And even if you have good reading habits... You can read more, and the Lord will bless you more. The second lesson we have from Deuteronomy 8.3 is that bread for our physical bodies is only taking care of one of our needs, and it's not the most important need. The most important need is the food for our souls, and that comes by the words that come out of the mouth of God. We want to think about both aspects. If we will put the Word of God first, He'll take care of our physical lives. If we'll put the Word of God first, we are feeding a part of our nature that the breakfast table and the supper table can't touch. And it will bless your soul and feed your soul and spirit. And you will have a measure of happiness and peace and contentment and joy and knowledge and understanding that you cannot have without the Word of God. We are a pitiful excuse for Christians if we do not read the Bible every day. That's the lesson. We must read the Bible every day and feed upon it for our souls because look at what God did to His church of the Old Testament. He put them through 40 years of hard times to learn. Man shall not live by bread alone. You people want bread on the shelf, and if you have bread on the shelf, you feel comfortable. You don't need to worry about that. You need to worry about what I've commanded you, and if you'll keep those commandments, I'll take care of the bread. And if you'll take care, if you'll read those commandments and take care of them, it'll feed your soul and you won't really care about the bread on the shelf. What a difference it makes if you read the word of God. You know where these words are used again, don't you? The devil appeared to the Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 4 and Luke chapter 4 and tried him in the wilderness. Jesus was very hungry after fasting 40 days and 40 nights. The devil said, Why don't you turn these stones into bread? And the Lord Jesus Christ answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. I am not going to defy the Spirit of God that led me out here for this trial of my faith and turn these stones into bread. 
The most important thing for me to do is to obey the words of the living God, my Father in heaven. And so the devil had to go to tactic number two, then to number three, and then he left him. Because the Lord Jesus Christ answered with the words, it is written. But if you don't know the Bible, you can't even answer like the Lord Jesus Christ did. It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. If man is to live by every word of God, and Jesus said that it's true, and the Lord said it here in Deuteronomy chapter 8, then you must read its words to have a life. We have an expression, get a life. We usually mean it sarcastically, and we usually mean it carnally when the world says those words. But if you want a life, a spiritual life, a life with God, you have to feed upon the Word of God because man shall not live by bread alone. There is another kind of life. And it's far superior to your physical life. And it never ends. That soul and spirit of yours is going to go right on living forever. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Every word of God is of value to our souls, and we want to feed upon those words. Listen, brethren, the Bible is a spiritual book from a spiritual author. And you have a spiritual new man. And its food cannot be put, its food cannot be put served on a spoon or a fork. Its food is only served from the word of God. The words of the Bible are different kinds of words. They are spiritual words. And they are the nourishment for your soul. And if you don't supply them with the words of the Bible, your soul will dry up. It's a spiritual book and you need spiritual food. If you're born again, you need that food. Brethren, this Bible, read every day, will increase your spiritual sensitivity. You will be more sensitive to the will of God in your life. You'll be more sensitive to where sin is creeping into your life. But if you neglect this book, the Spirit of God is quenched, the Spirit of God is grieved, your conscience is seared, and you don't even know that you're living a life that displeases the Lord. It's by feeding on this Word. It increases your sensitivity. Let's turn to Psalm 19. Hopefully many of you read it last evening. Psalm 19. It is one of the... Beautiful chapters in the Bible about the Bible. It's short. It's easy to understand. It's powerful. I don't know how we can ever read this and then not read our Bibles voraciously. But we do. And as I explained to my family last night, reading Psalm 19 and then measuring how much we read the Word of God, do you know what it proves to me? The depravity of man. Because you read here, the inspired words of David about how valuable the Bible is, and yet we don't treat it the way that Psalm 19 indicates we should treat it. But we want to treat it that way, and Lord help us to treat it that way. Psalm 19 has three sections, and they're very visible. Verses 1 through 6 are describing God revealing himself through the creation. The heavens declare the glory of God. We have some large windows that face the east. And we have our devotions in the morning in the dark. But as we're concluding, there is this sliver of orange that comes up over the horizon. And when it's at that angle, you can watch the sun move. And it's brilliant orange. 
and you see just a little sliver of it. And then if you keep watching, there comes that glorious sphere, that light bulb in the sky. You know, why hasn't it burned out? GE and Westinghouse haven't figured it out yet. Their bulbs burn out so quickly, and that bulb continues to burn. Darkness is driven away. The clouds are driven out of the sky, and the sun rises in its splendor. Pretty soon you've got to put sunglasses on. You need tinted glass in your vehicles. You've got to cover yourself up or you fry like an egg. And it's 93 million miles away. The heavens declare the glory of God. Day unto day utter a speech. The creation that God made preaches a sermon every day and every night. There is no speech, verse 3, nor language where this sermon is not heard. Their line. When you read a book, you read line upon line. The sermon by the sun and the sermon by the moon and the sermon by the stars goes out every day and every night. Every language hears it, sees it. There is a message. There is a creator God in heaven. And we ought to submit ourselves to him. It describes the sun like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. That's what Adam will look like on Saturday. Coming out of his chamber, knowing that the good life is about to begin. And rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. The sun's going forth is from the end of heaven. And the circuit under the ends of it, there's nothing hid from the heat thereof. Those 100 degree days we had a few weeks ago, was there anything hid from the heat thereof? That light bulb 93 million miles away was baking us. And no, we don't believe in global warming. Except the warming that is just right for us. Just right for the plants that we eat. Just right for the animals that we devour. Verses 1 through 6 are God's creation preaches a message. But there is a better message that God reveals to us. And that's through His Word. And so verses 7 through 12 describe God's revelation of himself in Scripture. Verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect. The natural creation is very imperfect. You can only learn a few things about God from the sun, moon, and stars. But the law of the Lord is perfect. It is complete. It is full. The law of the Lord, here the word law is used for the word Bible, for the word Scriptures. And we have six different words used to describe the Bible. The law, the testimony, the statutes, the commandment, the fear, the judgments in verses 7, 8, and 9. These are different expressions for the Bible. The Bible is perfect, converting the soul. It will change you because it's got so much perfect knowledge contained in it. It will convert you, move you from one place to another, move you from one way of thinking to another. The the creation can only show you that there's a God with eternal power and a Godhead, according to Romans 1. It does leave men without excuse. But there's more than that. There's the law of God. The law of the Lord is perfect. The Bible is perfect. It converts or changes the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. There's no doubt about it. It doesn't change. It's constant. It's more sure than God's voice from heaven according to 2 Peter chapter 1, and it makes wise the simple. If a simple man comes to the Word of God, he's going to leave it a wise man. What a book! Our schools in America don't teach wisdom. They teach a little bit of knowledge, but they don't teach wisdom. Wisdom is what pleases God. Wisdom is God's will for my life. They don't teach that. 
They may teach a little bit of 2 plus 2 equals 4, and that doesn't help anyone in comparison to this wisdom. The testimony of the Lord is sure. Do you know why when you go to school, children, you pay $100 for a chemistry book? And then you have someone else among your friends taking that same chemistry course the next year. And you say, hey, you can have my chemistry book and save a hundred bucks. You go to class and you find out, nope, there's a new chemistry book. It's the 13th edition now. Do you know why? Because nothing's sure. They're speculating on what they know. And they have to change it all the time. And, and of course, there's an educational racket, but let's not get off, let's not get off track here. There's an educational racket so that those underpaid professors can make more money by selling you a $100 book every year and you can't use the old one. But there's nothing sure in this world. You know, I, I mentioned just recently that in 1971, Nassau said that the United States and this world was in a serious threat of being taken over by another ice age. You know, the last three years it's been global warming. Because nothing is sure. One year we read that red meat's good for you for the nutrients that are in it. And the next year we read it causes cancer. It's, they're not sure. They say coffee's good and coffee's bad. And on and on we go. There's one thing that's sure. It's the testimony of the Lord. And it's God testifying of Himself. This is me. This is what I've done. This is what you should do to please me. And it makes wise the simple. You fill yourself with this book, you can be wise. You can be changed from a loser to a winner. You can be changed from an ungodly man to a godly man by feeding on this book. Verse 8, the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. You know, we hear about laws coming out and they're so wrong. They're laws that just perplex us and frustrate us as we read them coming out of our government. They will protect little babies, little baby birds, little baby seals, and kill little baby humans. Now, those laws are not right, and they crush our hearts. But the law of the, the statutes of the Lord are right. The Bible is right on every subject it addresses, and it rejoices the heart. Do you want a good book to read? It's the Bible. Because everything it addresses, it's right about those things. And it gives, it puts joy in our hearts. The commandment of the Lord is pure. There is nothing wrong, dirty, filthy, foolish in it. It's pure. It's perfectly clean. We're going to get to the word clean in a second. The Lord wants you to know that every word of God is pure. There's nothing dirty or wrong in it. The commandment of the Lord is pure. Every one of His commandments is so holy and so good, it enlightens the eyes to think in a whole other level. If you just read the works of men, you're thinking down here on the filthy level of humanity. But to read the Word of God and its pure commandments, you are elevated. It enlightens the eyes. You know, Ford thinks it has a better idea. But let me tell you about better ideas. Ford Motor Company is barely hanging on for its life. But the Bible isn't hanging on for its life. It is life. It tells us about life. It teaches us about life. And the commandment of the Lord is pure, and it enlightens the eyes. Oh, that is the holier way to think. That's the better way to think. Because we feed ourselves in the Word of God. 
The fear of the Lord is clean. Here, the fear of the Lord is put for the Bible. The Bible is how we learn about the fear of the Lord. By reading the Bible and keeping its commandments, it is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. There is nothing dirty in the Word of God. There's nothing dirty in the Bible. There's nothing filthy, foolish, carnal, worldly, ungodly there. It's clean. And how long does it last? It endures forever. You will not have to worry about a revision. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord, this is the Bible again. The Bible of the Lord is true and righteous altogether. Whether it's the first book, Genesis, or the last book, Revelation, or the first book of the New Testament, Matthew, or the little book of Ezra, it's true and righteous altogether. Look what we just read about the Bible. Look what God declares about the Bible. I told you about that son. That son is so inferior in a way of revelation about God and about how you should live compared to this. Compared to this right here. But I'll tell you, if you go out at night and look up at those little stars, you realize how incredibly small you are and how incredibly great God is. You get yourself next to an ocean where that surf is pounding, 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 pounding. Stand there in the dark and realize you are nothing. If those waves lift up, they're going to toss you like you don't even exist. Just go out a few feet and find out. They'll knock you flat. But they're nothing compared to the book that we have in our laps. The book called the Bible. The book called the Holy Scriptures. Look at the things that it's just said about them. They're able to convert your soul by changing you from bad to good. They can make you wise from simplicity, from stupidity. They can rejoice your heart by giving you something exciting to think about. They can enlighten your eyes by giving you a better idea on how to think, speak, and do things. They will endure forever and not change. And altogether, they are completely from one end to the other, true and righteous. More to be desired are they than gold. We started out this morning as newborn babes. Desire. The sincere milk of the word, more to be desired are they. That is the law, the testimony, statutes, commandments, fear, and judgments of the Lord, because that's his Bible. The Bible is more to be desired than gold, yea, than much fine gold. And how much effort and thinking and planning and sweat do men put in to acquire gold? But the Bible tells us, That it's to be desired more than much fine gold. Not just a little gold. And not just any kind of cheap gold. Not 14, 18 carat junk. The pure stuff. Fine gold. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. And sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. The sweetest substance they had was honeycomb. And the Bible is not only valuable, more valuable than gold. It is also sweeter and more pleasant than honeycomb. It is a delight to the soul to taste it and to feed on it. If you've made yourself so carnal you don't know what I'm talking about right now, it's your fault, not the Bible's fault. It's never been the Bible's fault. It's always been your fault. If you will go humble yourself before this book, kneel down and close your eyes and beg God to open it to you and let you taste of His goodness, He'll feed you from this book. But if you don't take the time to do this, you don't even know what I'm talking about. And it's why I'm talking about it. I want you to take the time 
to pray and ask God to help you and then open these pages and read these precious words and convert your soul and become wise. Look at verse 10. Who said that? A man with no gold? You know, men that have never had gold, they, they can talk about riches, how that they're vain, and who cares what they think? They've never tasted riches. But David was king of Israel. He had tasted wealth. He knew about the advantages that his office gave him. And he's the one that said, More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Verse 11, he's not done. The Spirit of God isn't done telling us about the Bible. Moreover, do you know what that means? I'm not done. Verse 7 is not enough to tell you that it can convert the soul and make you wise. Verse 8 isn't enough to tell you that it can rejoice the heart and enlighten your eyes. Verse 9 is not enough that the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous and His fear endures forever. Moreover, by them, that is the Bible, the words of God, is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Moreover, in addition to what I've said... If you'll read the Bible, it will warn you to keep you out of trouble. It'll warn you to keep you out of pain. It'll warn you how you can be assured of eternal life. And in keeping of them, that is the words of God, there is great reward. Not a little reward. Some of you have a measure of incentive pay. That's a little reward. It's nothing. This is great reward. There is great reward in learning the Word of God and keeping it. It could be your family. If you follow the Bible pattern for a family, it will bring you great reward domestically. If you follow the Word of God regarding your job, it will bring you great reward financially. Every aspect of your life, and especially if you follow the Word of God, it will bring you great reward spiritually. And then you will measure that spiritual reward against these other rewards I just mentioned and find them to be far superior. This is Psalm 19. It's in the Bible for a reason. It's in the Bible to help us appreciate the Bible and to convict us to read the Bible. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. None of us can know the foolish things that we're doing in our lives unless we open ourselves up to the mirror of God's Word and find out that we've got blemishes all over. Then we can correct those blemishes and go our way like we should. It's the Word of God that will do that. It's the Word of God that will warn you and keep you back from presumptuous sins. But these last two verses of the third section of of Psalm 19, and they are self-examination. Do you want to be great and successful? I get asked every week by people all over the place, And some of you, why do I feel spiritually dead? I'm discouraged. How can I walk with the Lord better? How can I increase my love for Him? Psalm 19. There is no other route. What are you looking for? A magic pill? I don't have magic pills. It's right here. Creation. Get into creation and glorify God for His mighty works that you can see out there and feel out there. But... Remember that the second section of this chapter shows us there's something better than that creation, and it's the written Word of God. Feed yourself on this book. And then, when you close its pages, kneel and examine yourself in the light of it. 
and pray to God to keep you back from presumptuous sins and let the words of your mouth, the meditation of your heart, be acceptable in His sight. Glorify God for His works. Devour His Word to know Him and to do all the things that are described here. Obey them. And then examine yourself in the light of that and change whatever is found wanting. This is how you live a successful spiritual life. You read the Word of God and you examine yourself and change accordingly to line up with Holy Scripture. You will amount to nothing before men and God unless you crave and devour the Word of God. Look at what the Lord said to Joshua. You have to have the Word of God in your mouth. You can't turn from it to the left or the right. You need to meditate upon it day and night to make your way prosperous and to find good success. Those are words we love. There's only one way to get them. It's through the Word of God. We must have time every day to read this book, to feed upon it, to delight in it, not to rush through it, to pray over it, to read it again. I would much rather read a chapter three times than to read three chapters one time. If in those three times of reading, the Lord opens it up more and more, and my spirit is warmed toward those words by reading it attentively and prayerfully and meditatively, begging Him to show me Himself through His words. It's not quantity, it's quality. It's not how much you read, it's how you read. Do you read carefully? Do you study the words? Do you suck on them? Do you mull them over? Do you muse on them? Do you meditate and think about them? Do you apply them? Do you think, how does this fit me in 2007? It'll make you great. God told Joshua, I want you to be every bit equal to Moses. Do you know how Joshua said to himself, impossible. Moses, of course, I'm putting this in for your help. The Lord said, this is how you do it. Feed on my word. I'll be with you wherever you go, and not a man will ever stand before you. We will take the land of Canaan, Joshua. We'll destroy 31 kings and seven nations in a few years. I'll be with you. We saw it again in Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. He has a delight in this. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. He's going to prosper and be successful. His leaf will not wither. The Lord will be with him. It's the word of God. Your, Your life is going to amount to nothing. Get a life. Do you know how you get a life? You get into the Word of God. You know, some lot, it's amazing. I don't even know why they live. People are born, they live, they eat three times a day, and they die, and we put them in the ground, and we feed worms, and there wasn't one good thing accomplished by them in their life. There is no lasting effect upon them. God was not moved by their existence. Who wants a life like that? How do you get a life? Do you get a life the way God told Joshua to get a life? Fill yourself with the Word of God. You're pleasing God. You'll please men. And you'll have an effect on other lives because you'll be a tree of life to them. Because when you open your mouth, you'll be able to feed them with something that comes from God's Word. Did you read Nehemiah 8 last night and saw that great preaching service, Bible reading service? The people asked for it. The people came with one accord, like one man. 
and said, Ezra, get the book out and read to us. And they gathered together in the street, the men, the women, the children, and they stood there from morning till noon and let them read the word of God and give the sense of it. And, and Ezra stood, you know what a pulpit's for in the Bible? It's to get the man of God up high enough so that you can see that he's opening the holy book. It's not to see the man of God, it's to see the book that he's opening. And when he opened the book, what did all the people do? They stood up to give reverence to the word of God. That passage is so moving. And it says, Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. And I'm thankful there's two or three in our church that are like the men of Nehemiah 8. That say, Amen. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. And they read in the book of the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused the people to understand the reading. And they were weeping because they'd heard things read that they weren't doing right. And Ezra and Nehemiah stilled them and said, let's not weep, let's not mourn today. Yes, there's things we need to correct, but let's thank God that we have the Word of God and that we understand it. And they held a party, and they made great mirth. Do you make mirth in your soul because of the Word of God? It should cause mirth. It's the rejoicing of our heart, according to Psalm 19, if we read it. The ideas in the Bible are so superior to any idea of man. What a service. Look at Job 23. Is Job a great man in the Bible? Is he one of God's five favorite men according to Ezekiel 14, 14? Yes, he is. When, when Satan came before the Lord, and the Lord said, where have you been? He said, I've been going to and fro in the earth. The Lord bragged on a man. What was his name? Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there's none like him? What made Job great? He tells us a little bit. Job 23, verse 12. Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Job considered the words of God more important to him than his necessary food. Those are the meals that he needed every day to survive. He considered God's word more important. And so the book starts out with, There was a man in the land of us whose name was Job. And the man was a perfect man, upright, feared God, and eschewed evil. Where did he get that kind of character? Out of the Word of God. You'll never amount to anything like that without the Word of God. Some of you have so much time on your hands, how much of it do you spend reading the Word of God? Every one of us have time that we can use. That's an excuse of the devil to say that there isn't time to read the Word of God. It's because you're doing other things you've made more important than the Word of God. His necessary food, not his snacks, but even his necessary food, Job exalted the word of God. Look at Psalm 119. If I, take, if I were to take the time, it would take us for weeks. You know, maybe when we finish the book of Proverbs, we can take Psalm 119 apart verse by verse. But Psalm 119 has 176 capsule statements about the word of God, about its value about what you should do toward it, the feelings you ought to have about the Word of God, how you should keep it, how you should pray to God to help you understand His Word, what the motive should be to understand His Word. Psalm 119, David wrote these words, The man after God's own heart, he loved the Word of God, and he knew its value. He gave us Psalm 19 and Psalm 119. 
If you're wondering, where can I go in the Bible to be encouraged about the Bible? Go to Psalm 19 or Psalm 119. Let me give you a few examples from 119. Look at these jewels about the Bible. Verse 9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. How can a young man be great in the sight of God by cleaning up his life in a way that would please God and please good men? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. The Bible can make young men great. How can I do it? How can I be great as a young man? By taking heed thereto according to God's word. It's not just reading it. It's reading it and obeying it. Verse 11. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. What are we supposed to do with the word of God? Hide it in our hearts. What does it take to get into your hearts? You got to read it. You got to read it. What's the reason for wanting to read it according to this verse? That I might not sin against thee. Well, if we don't read the Word of God, what are you going to end up doing? If reading the Word of God keeps you from sinning, not reading the Word of God is going to lead you to sin. sin. You're not going to be sensitive to righteousness and sin. You won't have, your conscience won't be alive and powerful and a bright candle in the midst of your spirit. Verse 14. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. Now, this wasn't a poor man writing these words. It was a rich man. And he said that God's word was better than riches. He rejoiced in those testimonies as much as in all riches. Do you rejoice in the word of God? If not, confess it. You have sin in your life if you don't rejoice in the word of God. You've become carnally minded. You're spiritually dull. Your conscience is cauterized, seared. If you don't delight in the law of God and rejoice in his testimonies, you have a problem. The Bible doesn't have a problem. You have a problem, and you will know about your problem someday when you stand before God. And your life is going to be miserable between now and then. Amen. I'm 50, and I know that. Anybody else here know that? You leave the Word of God, your life becomes miserable so fast. You go back into the Word of God, life becomes a bowl of cherries. If life can be a bowl of cherries in this sinful world, it's through the Word of God, and there's no other way. And then it wouldn't matter what you were eating. It all tastes like cherries. Then prisons would palaces prove. The fastest way to to give your wife a makeover is to read the word of God. The best way to be married to a prince, young ladies, is to go read the word of God. The best way to have the best parents on earth, the best parents on earth, go read the Bible. You go read the Bible, it will change your soul, conscience, and spirit and the way you think about your parents. It'll change everything in your life. You sick of your pastor? Tired of this church? Well, it's your fault, not our fault. Get into the Word of God, and all of a sudden you'll think this church is a great place to be. It changes your perspective on everything. It's the Word of God. It gives us spectacles to look at. It enlightens our eyes. Oh, I hadn't noticed that she was so pretty. I hadn't noticed I was married to a prince. Because it enlightens our eyes. Because it tells those little women... To reverence their husbands. And that a man that fears the Lord is a great man. If they're married to a man in here that fears the Lord, they're married to a great man. On and on we could go about the benefit of the Word of God. Psalm 119. I picked a hundred of my favorite verses out of it. Look at this line. 
verse 18. This is, do you pray this prayer? Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. You know, you're handed a gift. It's in a wrapping paper. You don't know what it is. Oh, I wonder what they got me. You know, the Lord's got something for you. And you know what you do? You get down on your knees and say, Lord, I'm about to read your word. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. If you had the anticipation that children have for those stupid wrapped presents, the Lord will open your eyes and show you wondrous things. You'll re- I told the men on Wednesday night, I got this and I loved it. The Lord smacked me up so hard on Tuesday. He punched me in a chapter I've read so many times. And I, I was, I was, my, my family was gone. My poor little wife, she's not here, so I feel a little safer telling you. I'm going around the house wild. Sherry, the Lord is always there. He always takes care of me. Do you know what he just did to me? What? He just smacked me. He just smashed me while I was reading. Because I needed it. I, I was in turmoil over an issue. Boom! There's the answer. And your thinking stinks, son. Do you rejoice in the word of God? Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Thank you, Lord. Verse 24, thy testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. Who do you want to go for counselor? Counsel. I hear people talking about marriage counseling. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding? Financial counselors. Let's pay them 500 bucks an hour. Then we can get ahead. Yeah. If you ever make back the $500 an hour, why don't you go to the Word of God? It's my counselor. It'll tell you, honor the Lord with thy substance, with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Guess what? It doesn't cost you a cent. It's all in the Word of God. Will a man rob God? Bring now your tithes and offerings into my storehouse and see if I don't open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you can't receive. Is that in the Bible? That's in... You got a problem in your marriage? Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. That'll solve 90% of them. One little verse. Oh, the Lord, the Bible's sweet. It's our counselors. It should be your delight. Verse 25. My soul cleaveth unto the dust. Quicken thou me according to thy word. Do you ever feel dried up? Do you ever feel like dust? Dried up, dead, dull. Nobody here does. Well, I'm going to tell you about one, a unique Christian. Sometimes I feel like dust. Maybe you can't relate to me anymore, but I, sometimes I feel like dust. I'm thank, you know why I love the Bible? Because the men in the Bible I can relate to, and they're always nodding their heads up and down. When I say I feel like dust, David says, yes, I know. I know, Jonathan. But I also know that you are all just like me. But you know what we do when we're cleaving under the dust? When we're feeling like dust? Quicken thou me according to thy word. You get into God's word, it'll make you alive. You can shake that dust off. What in the world was I acting like that for? Is that in the Bible? How about Psalm 73? Was Asaph feeling like dust? (laughs) He went into the house of God. They read the word of God and he said, I was a beast. So stupid was I before thee, O Lord. Oh, forgive me for thinking like that. Then you read the rest of that psalm. He was wild for the Lord, wasn't he? 
Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there's none upon earth that I desire beside thee. What a change. I guess the, I guess the Bible's true. It can convert the soul. Do you think Asaph was converted before he wrote Psalm 73? I do. I think he was converted every day of his life like you and I are converted every day of our lives. Every day this Bible can change us for the better. But we've got to read it to have that. If you feel like dust and your, your life is dried up, get into the Bible. It'll put vitality into it. Psalm 119, verse 28. My soul melteth for heaviness. Do you ever feel overwhelmed that your soul is melting for heaviness? You can't take the heat that's going on in your life? Strengthen thou me according unto thy word. Do you know where you get the strength from to go on? Out of God's word. David had trials and afflictions that far exceed all of ours. And this is where he found his strength. Look at 49. Remember the word unto thy servant, upon which thou hast caused me to hope. Verse 49. Do you ever feel hopeless? Do you know how you get cured of hopelessness? Get into the word of God. You don't need a raise at work. You don't need a new set of clothes. You don't need a bag of peanut M&M's and a cream soda. Dear wife, you need the word of God. You don't need love from your husband. You don't need a date. You don't need a kiss from your wife. You need the Word of God. It'll bring hope back in your life. Psalm 119 is precious. Do you know what you can do with Psalm 119? Watch. I have seen an end of all perfection, but thy commandment is exceeding broad. Now, don't laugh at me. Do you know what? I, this is our devotions last night. After we read those two chapters, we went to Psalm 119 and we did some Bible stabbing. Because you stab Psalm 119, you're going to come up with a jewel every time. I love hunting gold when I know that every time I dip in, I'm going to get some. Psalm 119. You can stab at any verse and it's just precious. I have seen an end of all perfection. David had seen some pretty good things in his life, but thy commandment is exceeding broad. Every time I look at one of your commandments, it leads me on to this thought, then to that thought. It's so huge. Every one of them are so full and so complete. This is God's Word. Are you, are, you, are you loving it and reading it every day? Are you reading it twice a day? Are you reading it on your lunch break at work? Are you listening to it from Scorby? I'll buy you Scorby. I'll buy you a CD. I'll buy you an MP3 player. I'll buy you a portable one. If that's what you need to listen to it on the way to work and the way home from work, we want the Word of God. Otherwise, we're, we're pretending. We're pretending to be great saints. This will change your life. Do you know how much fun it was to share that with my wife on Tuesday, that the Lord had just smashed me? I love getting smashed when it's the Lord that smashes me. And you can smash me too when I'm doing something wrong, and I'll, I'll try to love you for it. But you know, I was sharing that with my wife, stomping around the house. Oh, he's good. Because he smashed me. He taught me wisdom. Solved the dilemma. And it was so plain and so... Oh! I'm sorry I'm leaving you in the dark about it. If I told you the book that it came out, you'd say impossible. Wrong. Every word of God is pure. (laughs) I don't care where you go. You're going to get something good out of the word of God. 
how did the Lord know that I had that dilemma? I'm sorry for going off. I don't do this very often, but how did the Lord know? I had an ethical dilemma. And I'm reading a history book in the Bible. And I've read it many times before. And all of a sudden, bam! One second, solved. The statutes of the Lord, the judgments of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, it enlightens the eyes. One second. Oh, you idiot. I'm talking to him, talking to me. That's how I talk. I get lonely. I love Psalm 119 so much. Look at verse 50. I showed you how to stab it. You can't lose stabbing in Psalm 119. You can't lose stabbing anywhere in the Bible. But look at verse 50. This is my comfort in my affliction, for thy word hath quickened me. Are you ever, do you ever feel afflicted? What's your comfort? This. This is my comfort in my affliction. Quicken thou me, for thy word hath quickened me. It was quickened me over there in verse 25. Here is how we get quickened. It's in God's word. We could go on and on. I have another 50 verses, a long list. But you know, every one of the verses in Psalm 119 will provoke you about the word of God. You can get down and tell the Lord in, the, in, in those words, Lord, this is a prayer. My soul cleaveth unto the dust. Quicken me according to thy word. And he'll do it. But you've got to open this for him to quicken you by his word. You've got to read it. Every father in here is bound to teach his children these things. When thou risest up, when thou liest down, when you sit, when you walk by the way. Deuteronomy 6. Teach your children the word of God. Let every one of these little children see the big black book. That dad gets excited when he gets the big black book. When dad has the big black book, that's what dad loves. That's what dad trusts. That's what dad believes. That's what dad acts upon, the big black book. From the earliest days, they ought to know about the big black book. That dad loves the word of God. There's only one way to be an Elihu. You know, young Elihu was sitting in a circle of five guys at a campfire. One was feeling sorry for himself and three wanted to jump on him and did. And one young man, there was Elihu. And do you know how you get to be Elihu in a world of Job's Eliphaz's, Bildad's, and Zophar's? You read the Word of God. For there is a spirit in man, and the inspiration of the Almighty giveth him understanding. Do you know how you get to be like Elihu? Fill yourself with the Word of God. We know which Bible to read. But are we reading it? We defend the King James Version vigorously. But do we read it? Who cares if we're a King James Bible church? Who cares if we have it out there on the sign? Do we read it? That's what counts. You want to hear something really bad? Don't you take me the wrong way. I'd rather have you reading the New King James Bible than pretending you're a King James church and not reading it. You can find enough jewels buried in all the garbage they put in there. I didn't say the other ones. I said the New King James. At least they were trying to plagiarize the true one. You can get more benefit. You've got to read it. It doesn't mean anything to God for us to say that we're a King James Bible church unless we read the King James Bible and obey it. Look at Deuteronomy 4. 
I've read you these verses before. Do you know what Moses said about the Bible? Moses wrote five books of it. The first five books of the Bible are called the books of Moses. Moses is given credit for these books in the New Testament when they're referred to. Moses saith. Look what Moses said about the Bible. Deuteronomy 4, 5. Behold, I have taught you statutes and judgments. Are those the things in Psalm 19? We're talking about the Bible. Behold, I have taught you statutes and judgments, even as the Lord my God commanded me, that ye should do so in the land whither ye go to possess it. Keep therefore and do them. For this is your wisdom and understanding in the sight of the nations, who are going to see how you live and know that you have a significant advantage over them because you have laws far superior to theirs. I want our wedding on Saturday to be far superior to any other wedding they've seen by the word of God that we invoke on this couple. I want their life from here on out. And I charge you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and according to the word of God, that you live in such a way that your marriage is a testimony that the word of God is true. You two stay in love with each other. You feed in the word of God. Because we've been given such an advantage. we got a marriage manual right here. You'll see. Deuteronomy 6. Deuteronomy 6, he said, this is your wisdom and understanding. Do you want to be wise and understanding? Feed on the word of God. Deuteronomy 6, verse 24. The Lord commanded us to do all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our good always. That he might preserve us alive as it is at this day. And it shall be our righteousness if we observe to do all these commandments before the Lord our God as he hath commanded us. Notice, the word of God is for your good always. And is for your righteousness. You can have practical righteousness that God accepts even though we can never keep it perfectly. He'll accept it as long as we're living according to this word. Chapter 10. Oh, this is, these are, this is Moses' final speeches to Israel, the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12. And now, Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee? But to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul, to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command thee this day for thy good. What does the Lord require? He wants us to love his statutes and his commandments. And how do we learn them? We've got to read the Bible to get them. Chapter 32. Deuteronomy 32. Verse 46. And Moses said unto them, Deuteronomy 32, 46, Set your hearts unto all the words which I testify among you this day, which ye shall command your children to observe to do all the words of this law. For it is not a vain thing for you. Deuteronomy 32, 47. It is not a vain thing for you, because it is your life. And through this thing, ye shall prolong your days in the land, whither ye go over Jordan to possess it. This is your life. This is your wisdom. This is your understanding. This is your good, always. This is your righteousness. This, right here. The Word of God. It'll make every family tree in here great. It'll make every family great. It'll make every man great, woman great, child great. If you become a man of the Word of God. You hear me, Daniel? I said that because you were listening. If you feed on the Word of God, this is your life. 
This is your good, always. This is your righteousness. This is your wisdom. This is your understanding. How can we neglect this great book that God's given us? Do you know what advantage there was to being a Jew? Because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. Let the Greeks talk about their stupid oracle at Delphi. We've got an oracle. God has sent down his will on paper for us. Do you know what made Israel great? They had the oracles of God. Do you know what makes our church great? We've got the word of God. Just as our brother prayed earlier today, it does say it in the sign, but we believe it inside here, and let's make sure we're reading it. We have the oracles of God. The oracle, a special revelation from God. We have it. It's in your Bible. Our brethren that went before us have sealed this book with martyr's blood. They gave their lives so that you could have this Bible and have it in the freedom to read it that we do this day. Few men have had Scripture, understanding, time, and freedom to read it like we have. To whom much is given, much shall be required. Few men in the history of the world have had the combination of having the Bible in their own tongue, the understanding of what can, it's, what's contained in that Bible, and the freedom and the time to read it. What are the inputs in your life? Are there inputs competing with the Word of God? Is it the Internet? Is it the television? Is it books? Is it school? Is it friends? Is it the, or is it the radio? What is it that's competing? Beware! Get rid of them and replace them with the Word of God. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. This is a special book. This isn't like any other book. This book is written by the Spirit of God. Other books are written by the Spirit of men. Only this book is written by the Spirit of God. We read other books, but we read them very carefully. You don't have to be careful in this book. You can trust every word that it says. I want to show you something about this book. Verse 11. What man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Do you really know me? Do I really know you? No. Your spirit inside of you that you communicate with and talk with, the candle of the Lord that's inside you, your spirit knows you better than anyone else. What man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. The spirit of God is, in this comparison, something like our spirit that knows our fears our problems, our weaknesses, our faults, the, the one that we talk to all the time on the inside. The expression of God is through His Spirit. We cannot know God except through His Spirit. Verse 12, Now we have received, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak, the apostles speak and wrote, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. The revelation of God's inner workings, his mind. You know what it says three verses later? We have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. And how do we get the mind of Christ? We're born again. And then we have communicated to us the words of the Spirit of God that reflect God himself. Just like yours. You have a... Do you, Am I the only one that talks to my spirit? Am I the only one that has a spirit that talks back and forth with me on a regular basis? No. No. You have it. 
And God has one. It's the Spirit of God. And He's revealed things to us in the words, in the words which the Holy Ghost teacheth. When you read a man's book about the Bible, you're reading a man's words. But when you read this book, you're reading the Spirit of God's words. Every word of God is pure, and man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. These are the words of the Spirit of God that reflect God Himself. And when you read them, they feed the spiritual man inside you. There is no book like the Bible. Our experience confirms that fruitfulness in Christians is in proportion to their Bible reading. The love in their lives, the joy in their lives, the peace, the righteousness, the holiness. All of that is dependent upon their Bible reading. Do you remember Josiah's reaction when the Word of God was found and was brought to when they read the books of Moses? And he knew that they were in trouble. He tore his clothes and repented. He knew. He trembled before the Word of God. Do you know what kind of men that the Lord approaches to? Men who tremble at His Word. And God brought a message immediately to Josiah. Even if you're an Ethiopian eunuch and you're traveling out in the desert and there isn't a single person within 50 miles of you. If you're reading the Word of God and you want to understand that word, guess what happens? A Philip will be there to explain it to you. God goes after men that are reading His Word and He will meet with them because He said so in Isaiah 66. This is the man that I will approach unto, the man who contrites spirit and trembles before my word. Are you afraid of anything today? Health, health, finances, future, marriage, anything. Where should you go? To the word of God. To the word of God. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to stay up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, unless you're getting up to read the word of God. If you get up early or stay up late or eat the bread of sorrows because you're worrying about your circumstances, it won't work. But if you'll get up early or stay up late to read the Word of God, you will find strength for your soul. I am done for the first assembly. May the Lord bless the preaching of His Word and encourage your hearts and minds to read the Bible that He has so graciously, so kindly, so faithfully given us. It will change your life. And if you are already have a changed life, if you read it more, it will change your life more. Let us all increase our daily commitment to the Word of God.